I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. The minute I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old, boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. My guest today is six-time All-Ireland winning Dublin footballer, Paul Flynn. Paul, thanks a million for joining me. Um, it, I find it really interesting uh, chatting to people who aren't that long out of the game. You're a couple of years retired now. Do you feel like you've kind of transitioned away from the team environment, the mentality that comes with being an an elite sports person and, and maybe even a fan now? Yeah, thanks for having me uh, on, Marie, and um, well done with the, with the podcast. Um, yeah, I suppose it's kind of, it's a funny one. Like when, when I left, when I left, when I left the game, I went, I was in the GPA role and which, um, which kind of was a nice transition too, because you're still in the game, you're still actively involved. And, and um, so it was probably acted as a bit of a ramp rather than falling off the edge of a cliff um, at the end, which, which some people experience. So, uh, and on top of that, I've been pretty active in the club too. So um, I haven't probably felt I fully stepped away, but when, when you do go there to look at, the, um, the games, you know, there is a part of you that you feel like you're missing, but only a part of me. I, I think I'm, I was comfortable enough stepping away. And um, when you're comfortable with it yourself, then, you know, it's always a good time to go. So, um, but no, I love, I, I'm now loving just watching the games and um, definitely kind of gone into fan mode for sure. Yeah. Just from like following your career and listening to you speak over the years and interviews and all the rest, and even interviews when you retired, it was very clear that you were completely obsessed with it. Like even just, trying to improve different things about your game, whether it was like your kicking or your skills or, you know, just trying to develop as the game evolves. When that's in you and that's part of your makeup and your personality, is it difficult then when you don't have that outlet almost to challenge that or to, to channel that part of your personality? Yeah, and I still... Um... It is because, like, you get some good people. You'll have some people on this, and they'll tell you that they were they had this natural ability, and they then worked with it. I don't think I was that type of person, that type of player. Um, I had to work on everything, every aspect of my game. Um, I probably had, a, you know, some of the, the raw characteristics that were, you know, that set me up like maybe my strength or my fitness that were that were there. Um, um, but I had to work on everything else. So. It, that, like I listened to a, a recent interview with Jack McCaffrey, and there's a guy who had like you know the raw material. He he had he had the talent, and he even says that himself. But sometimes things came too easy for him as he went through the years. And I'm probably the complete opposite, where not much came really easy at all. I had to work for everything right through. Um, so to answer your question, then on now I am. Um, I'd say Fiona, my wife would say something different on it, but I'm just flat. I, I, I train fairly hard still, and that's probably the thing that uh, every week I'm, you know, I'm doing something different and just keeping myself taken over as such. And that's probably now what's challenging me, um, and also kind of my career off the pitch now, my professional career. Uh, so I'm trying to refocus that kind of bit of drive and, and determination into into other parts of my life, I suppose. So, what was the hardest part then when you did? decide, okay, I'm not going to be a Dublin footballer anymore? 
Um, the hardest thing was to leave the leave the leave the leave the team itself. Like one thing people people probably people don't fully appreciate is that these are your best friends. They're the um, um, you're doing you're on a journey with them that is is quite unique in, in some in some ways. That you have to kind of keep trade secrets that you're you're pushing yourself to your body to its limits um, but you're doing it collectively so you all know that pain and that, that that sacrifice that's gone in you're winning together which brings a certain level of emotion and um, you're also uh, facing adversity and losing games together which um you're you're which is like grieving a grieving process really and you're doing it together which builds a bond so when you leave that group you kind of leave a part of yourself behind and you just have to try and um uh, find yourself to a certain degree a, a little a little bit so that's probably the hardest part was leaving leaving the group um everything else i was okay with but um that, that to me was the most difficult most difficult piece okay well you were probably nearly through it anyway a couple of years out and a lot has happened in between including a pandemic and twins as well so i'd say it keeps you pretty busy so i'm going to get to the questions now on um your career and, and your development so when you're when you were a kid, what was your earliest memory of sport? Yeah, like th this was an interesting one. I was, um, I have a terrible memory, right, of when I was young. And I don't know, like, I, I, when I listen to some people and they say, oh, I remember this very clearly. I just don't remember a hell of a lot. But well, um, two things that came to mind were, one is the 1990 World Cup and with, with Ireland. And it was nothing got to do with me playing, but all I just remember is, um, being dressed in um, our, definitely not an Ireland jersey it's probably something out of the equivalent of Cleary's or Pennies or something like that um, but, um, with a little green hat on and I still, I've seen the photograph recently and it, it did bring it back to life that like just the buzz around that it was only four but it was uh, I do remember that kind of um, that buzz around Ireland back then um, and like everybody out on the road of the state party and it was just it was fantastic really you'd love to kind of recreate that that feeling again um and the second one then is like you know my first i don't know whether it was my first day but it was my first you know experience that i can remember down in fingalians and um, being brought down there wasn't the academy structures or the you know that they have now and which is quite you know well organized it was just I think I trained with a team that were a couple of years older than me, maybe the under sevens or something like that, and everyone was bigger than me, and I couldn't deal with the the helmets. You might remember helmets back then; they were round and they had massive padding on the sides, which like squeezed your head in. And I, I just remember like that having to take off the helmet and uh, not being able for it. But um, but yeah, they're they're two kind of in my they're, they're and they're very very vivid. Like they're not you know um, but 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 I, but I think they're they're still kind of good early memories of sport, you know. So I know you said that you weren't you had to work really hard at everything, but that's in comparison to arguably the greatest football team that of ever really when you when you think about that that Dublin team. So like clearly you had talent for a sport. At what stage did you realize, okay, you know, I'm pretty athletic, I'm I'm good at things here that I'm trying out? Um I suppose well in primary school I would have been on like any team that was, you know, um that was set up like basketball or soccer or, or um, mainly GAA. But I had, I had, um, I was just, I was just mad about all sports, you know. And my my family were, they wouldn't, my mum and dad wouldn't let me play soccer early doors. And they were just like down, down in the GAA club. And like, so I spent, a, other than school, you know, um, predominantly it was GAA for me. Um, 
And I suppose when you when you realise that you're, when you're playing two years above yourself a lot of the time, you know, that's when you start to realise that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Never really thinking about it though. And um, even when I got called on to developing squads when you're younger, under 14s and that, again, you're not thinking about this is a, this is a pivotal moment or anything like that. It, they, it, they all probably came really in, in different phases, you know, where you're kind of, Okay, right, I'm on a development squad. That's 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 positive. And uh, then you make the minor team and you make the 21s. But even when I made the senior team, I still wouldn't have had that light bulb moment to say, I'm gonna make this here. You know, um there was there was probably still a hell of a lot of work to get into the into the team and um and even then when you're in the team. So I I I found a struggle I kind of struggle to answer that question because I don't feel that there was like a moment where I said, Okay. I've got this, you know, it just, it always, it was, it was all these little hurdles along the way that I had to kind of, had to overcome. And I, to, to be honest, I'd say that's probably the same for a lot of people, but, um, and so there was no one moment where I said, I've got this, you know. <laughs> I know it's, and I think, especially probably in team sport as well, when you're kind of part of a group and on different days, different people can excel or be the hero. It is kind of hard to pinpoint it. So like you, you clearly enjoyed sport as a kid. Were there other sports? I know you were kind of dabbling a little bit in, in, in soccer or wanted to play anyway. Was there other sports that you enjoyed or were good at? Yeah, I, was, uh, um, I loved basketball when I was younger and um, it wasn't any good, right? But we had the, remember, they had the community games and uh the part of source that I'm from what represented one team, which were literally a, a group of uh, GA lads wearing GA shorts uh, playing basketball, and the other part of source was um, made up of the basketball team, pretty much, and they were wearing the basketball shorts. But we bet them in the in the in the community games, which was a. Uh, I think we bullied them off the off the basketball court, but um, but but we were I was no good at basketball, and uh, but I loved it, really did. I loved golf, you know, I still do. Uh, played badminton, so um, played everything really, Marie. But they were all minority, and then it was the GA, you know. And you know, you hear some people say, okay, I was very much, I played a lot of soccer and I played a lot of GA. That wasn't the case for me. I played a lot of GA. That was, you know bet into me and uh, and then I had I had the um, I just dabbled with the other ones you know and partly because I wasn't as good but partly because my mom and dad weren't as um, as interested in it really you know yeah like one thing that definitely is, is clear is parents play such a big role in development because they're the ones that have to almost get you organized really like bring you tell you when things are on get your gear ready and facilitate you going to the pitch or the training or the match and like it can be a full-time job almost Big time, and like you know, one of the questions you asked: Who had the biggest influence on your career? And for me, it was my mom and my, and my dad. But like, um, but my mom because she literally did everything for me to to make sure that I was there. And when I did look around and I think back to my friends, um, and who there was plenty of good, good potentially great athletes, but but all good players and stuff. But they just weren't as committed. And um, my commitment probably is 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 a value that was passed on to me by my mother, you know, um, that I never missed training session. I was always on time. I was always prepared. I always had my gear, um, you know, and and to me, like, I, like that was, she's been the most influential, per, influential person. So, you know, the fact that it was always GA and she was very reluctant to me, for me getting involved in soccer. Or, she wasn't reluctant to other sports, but she definitely was with the soccer for some reason. Um, <laughs> 
Um, that was obviously going to play a pivotal role for me. But like, if I was doing it now, I've obviously, you as you mentioned, I've got kids, and I, um, I was a qualified PE teacher as well. And the, the, you know, when you when you look and learn what other countries do, and what I think is the best model is we should have young people um, playing in all different sports and getting a flavour for them. And we should be opening up our facilities that we have to other sports so that you have like a town like Swords, big town. That the the, the sh- they share the facilities that all the sports can be can be flavoured, and that does increase broad participation. But also, the skills you learn from different sports. Like I love watching Michael Darren McCauley play because he brings basketball skills to the um, to, to to the game football pitch. Or if you look at Paul Mannion, he's a soccer player. You watch the way his footwork, the way he, you know he's able to tackle, the way he's able to turn players. And that, that, that's bringing different skills into the GA. And I think we should be, we are open to it, but we should be more open to that because, um, and you know, for the development of the player, is great. Development of the game is super. But it means too that people who, they're not put down one sport. If they don't like it, then they fall out of sport. They can play other things and, you know, they just find the one they like and then at least they'll stick with it. And I think that's critical, you know. So um, probably... Sidetracked a little bit there. <laughs> well, I think I, I think people's mindsets are kind of opening more to that, and especially when you're reading studies and hearing stories from the way people are doing things in New Zealand and the, the benefits of of that. Um, not early specialization, I guess, is the is the thing. But it does definitely, I think, when it comes to parents, I can see why they might not encourage too many sports because it does take an awful lot of yeah. organization and um, encouragement trying to get kids out the door and get everything. And especially when people are working too full time, it's it's a lot. So, who was your sporting hero then when you grew when you were growing up? My sporting hero were not GA um, players. Funny enough. Um, um, Roy Keane and Tiger Woods were the two of my generation. Mainly Roy Keane, really. Like um, a Manchester United fan, and he was just he just for me when I used to watch him play soccer. I was thinking about how I played Gaelic to, to a certain degree, where you know it was it was just all heart. It was aggression. It was work rate. Um, always did the basics well, and you know I always tried to. Um, I, I just I could see a lot of that in me when I was playing when I was playing Gaelic football and uh, and Tiger Woods was just I was just, I was just born in that era I was into golf and like he just kind of I was probably caught up in the whole marketing strategy that that Nike had but you know I remember running around saying I'm Tiger Woods like everybody else did and uh, so they were the two and still to this day like I, you know it's funny like they stick with you I watch Roy now and in his role as pundit and I just you know he. Even when he's doing bad things, like you know, I'm still on his side, and um, you know, it's just because they're they that's the impact of I suppose a role model when when you're when you're uh, when you're that age, you know. It's actually the one one of the good things about Roy is like when you did grow up as a footballer or watching him as as a footballer, like a lot of the time people that you were your role models they can kind of fade away out of your life a little bit but Roy has just stayed there in all these different capacities and it's actually great now he's in that punditry role and we're actually getting to see him and um still getting value of him out of him obviously in a, in a different medium but um still really enjoying him as well so um I, I'm I'm a big Roy Keane fan too um so I know you said that you had to work hard at everything right but you did work hard at everything like and that's one thing that you know from from following you that has really stuck out and I guess we're actually just going through a bit of a kicking obsession in our house at the moment and, and learning to kick and getting kicking right and trying to 
get it right at, uh, I suppose, an, an early enough age so that you don't have to spend as much maybe when you're a little bit older trying to um, reconstruct things possibly. But kicking was something that you worked on a, a lot and and mastered really, Paul, as well. Like, Yeah, it was, a, it was a, um, I know, I know I came late to it. And I always say, you know, you know, I remember people coming to summer camps and things like that when I was younger and say, oh, practice are kicking, practice left and right. And I just didn't. And um, I really had to work on it when I was in college. Um, and there were a couple of people who played a key role in that. One would have been Pat Gilroy, who, who would have set up this kind of kick in school, really. And it would, Bernard Brogan, myself, would have went out. And um, Bernard would have been teaching me a lot about striking. And, you know, and secondly, then I would have done it a lot with Michael Murphy when I was in college as well. And we used to go kicking a lot and just watching and learning from him. Um, and then I was just obsessive about it. I was like, I was just, I, I, I just, it's an easy, it's an easier thing to work on for your game as a, as a footballer, because it, actually it's lovely to go out with a bag of balls, you know, um, and go kicking, right? You know, it's, it's much, well, I always found it much more enjoyable than going to the gym or going running or whatever. So I just kind of went after it then and, you know, relentlessly just, um, um, I used to do, do this funny drill, like, like I still do it, but it was just a, it was just a kicking drill I used to do. But majority of my shots would be from the right hand side of the post and the right hand half forward. And I just take I just take ninety percent of my shots from there when I was doing my kicking drills, and around ten percent from other places. I felt it was the hardest kick, and if I could nail that, um, I you know, and the amount of scores I got gave from that pocket because I just used to do a lot of my kicking there. But, um, you know, the, the lazy slide was saying it was just, it was my sweet spot, my, you know, or whatever. But um, so I just, to me, that was, that was purely down to work, right? And it was, it was really like, I understood like the, um, the idea that you had to work for, for things, right? But that, that to me just showed because I seen the results, you know, where you're going and you're kicking, um, you know, three times a week and you're really focused on learning, focused on getting good strikes, not just going through emotions. And then you're seeing the rewards because I used to play, Went forward and I used to, you know, um, not get many scores. And then I was getting two, three scores every game. And it was, you know, partly because I was practicing the kicking, but partly because psychologically I wanted to score because I was going out practicing kicking. So, um, yeah, that, that, that to me was, and um, again, it goes back to, yes, determination, but you have to have people to, to guide you as well. Like I was very good at asking people who are good at things for help, right? And there, there's Bernard and Michael with the kicking, I was always good at asking, you know, sports psychologists about, you know, my mindset and how I could improve that when you don't have the answers to these things. Um, I was always good at leading on the likes of Niall Moyna or you know, Mickey Whelan or um, the strength conditioning coaches that we had through the years, Martin Kennedy, about how I could make myself better as an athlete. So you don't have the answers. And sometimes players can, and athletes can beat themselves up trying to think that they should have the answers to these things. But... Right until my last day, I want I craved being coached, craved to get better, and um, um, I think you have to keep that, you know, no matter what level you're playing at, if you want to keep improving, and that goes, I suppose, in any walk of life, but particularly in sports. So, with all that in mind, what would you say was the thing that you you worked hard at throughout your career, and, and particularly as you were developing and improving and growing into the footballer that you became? It was the kicking, you know. It was I was taught like. As, as, as Pillar Caffrey would say when I came on, like, you know, I was a raw talent and I needed to sharpen up on the scales. And um, 
So it was definitely it was definitely that, you know, and that was full passing and, and kicking scores, you know. So um it just shows, doesn't it, that it can be done though, you know, because like you know, I see people or hear of people who are who want to get better at it and they nearly think it's too late. No, I know, and you know, I was lucky because I probably Kieran Duff, Dully Duff was a selector on the panel with Pipe Pillar. And um I do remember my first game and, and I came in and I we had a squad game and um I hit a few big shoulders, right? I was only a young lad and, I, and, I, and these were the senior squad, but I, I, I kind of held my ground physically with them and um, they were impressed with that. But I was pretty, I was told like, you know, your skills aren't up to scratch. And, but I got the, I got the opportunity. I got in the door and I said, right, I'm going to work on this. But a lot of people don't get in the door because the skills aren't up to scratch. So, you know, I, I, I really kind of, I was lucky that they identified the raw talents and I think more coaches should look for that raw talents and then trying to, to work with us rather than just trying to pick someone who they see as being the finished article or, or whatever. Um, so you have to kind of look for those things in, 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 in young players in particular. And I, I'd often look at uh, things like that, and, you know, some of the upcoming Dublin squads or whatever, and even in the club and now looking at players and just trying, trying to get them to, to focus on, you know, these things and, um, um, but yeah, no, it is, it's a good point. Were you always kind of physically strong? Yeah, I, um, I was. And because even when I was younger, I didn't go to the gym a lot. And I would have found that like in the tackle when I was younger, like, you know, um, I would have, like I, I used to always, when I was younger, like um, in club playing, hitting shoulders. I used to like have a terrible temper when I was younger. And all I wanted to pretty much do was hurt people. And uh, so I'd always go in for, for the physical, physical part of the game. But I was stronger, like I was able to, you know, hit a shoulder. Uh, so then I wasn't doing any weights or anything like that. So I had the natural bit of strength. Um, but like, you know, any inter-county player then, like once I got into the programme, I, um, I really worked on that. And I, um, I, I would have been pretty good in the gym. I would have like lifted a lot and um, kind of layered onto that natural strength as well. But... Um, I suppose strength now for, for inter-county players is just like a fundamental, you know, everybody has it, but you just have to be able to use that strength to turn into power and then, you know, to be functional to be able to play the game, you know, and that's that's key. You can't just be big and strong. You have to be able to get yourself around the pitch and um, be agile and, and be able to do the repeat sprint ability as well. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's kind of more of a holistic, you know, athlete now that you're looking for in the game. You sound like the dream person to enter into a high performance environment because you thrived in the learning and the coaching and wanted to be better. Was that always the case or was that some sort of like, did you have a light bulb moment where you thought, OK, I'm, I need to do all of these things and I need to listen to the people that are telling me and the experts? Um, I'd say it was down to... Um... I'd say it was down to the fact that I never seen myself as being good enough, and I and I always felt that I had a bit of a journey to go on with that. And that, like, um, I'm trying to think of the term that Kev Mac has has a term for it. I can't remember what it is. It might come to me in a minute or two. But um, and he only told me that a couple of years afterwards. But like, it, it's the idea that you, you, I never felt that I was as good as uh, as as maybe what I was or what I could have been, and that's why I always was training harder or um, looking for a, an edge or um, looking for how I could, you know, uh, better my game. And even my even my good games that I would have had for Dublin, I would never look back on the tape. I find it difficult because 
I'd be cringing at things that I probably I didn't feel like I did well, you know. Um, so yeah, that's um, so in 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 that space, you're always craving people telling you that you did well because you seen negative in a lot of what you did. Um, so that was a constant battle. So that meant that I always trained harder, and you know, um, and, and as I said, look for that edge. Having that kind of real critical mindset, like, do you think that that held you back in any sort of way like just even from a confidence point of view maybe I don't like it's hard to know like it's is it a case that you know it drove me on you know um I, I you, you could argue both that like maybe if I just if I just like I do know in that period of 2011 2014 I was really confident and um and that kind of well, it all start every single year <laughs> Four yeah negative ones it's mad like and that's so maybe like but that it's it's probably even even within that I never felt that I was kind of like not once say deserving, but I never felt that like you know um, I was reaching even my own potential there or whether I was. I suppose I was seeking perfection, and you, you you'll never reach perfection if you're seeking it. You're always going to come up a little bit short, um, even like you know. So yeah, I, I guess did it hold me back or did it drive me on? You can look at it through both lenses. Really, Marie, I'd say it probably drove me on more than it held me back, but. Um, did it, did it keep you awake at night? Um, there would have been times, yeah, but it would have been over overthinking things. You know, I, I was a tinker, and when I played my best is when I wasn't thinking. You know, this this argument of getting yourself into the flow state when you're just living in the present and playing in the present, and um, which is a you know, it's a great idea, but it's a really difficult thing to do. And um, when you do get there, it's just pure bliss, like you know, and uh, it's. It happened to me a couple of happened to me actually last summer playing a game and I was just it just gives you it brings it back to you and it was like when you get into that flow state it's just you can't you can't beat it you know and um so I had a I had a, a probably a period of that in, in that eleven to fourteen period but um then you're always craving you're always trying to you know you're trying to get back there or you're you're pushing yourself you're trying harder because you maybe aren't playing as well so there's um but it's a, it's a it's a great place it's a great thing in sport and any athlete will know that and they'll just you know have a fond memory of when when that does happen you know so like you, you're playing out of your skin you're winning consecutive all stars you're winning all Ireland. are you feeling that at any stage like i'm at home here this is me i'm at the top of my game i'm on the best team going like i'm one of the best footballers in the country like does that click at any stage with you um, did you ever see what we saw watching you basically yeah but probably not like probably to be honest with you probably not like I was always quite um, there got, there, got a, there there was a phase where like remember in 2014 or 2013 maybe it was around that period where I was going out into games and playing half forward and I just felt like that you know I'm on top of this like I, I have this half forward thing you know um, I, I'm, I'm really getting a handle of it and I would have felt probably in that phase where like I was confident no matter who I marked that I was going to break them down. Sometimes it took 40 minutes, sometimes it took 20, sometimes it took 60, but I would break them down. And that was a confidence like where if you if you kind of contrast that to later in your career, when I wasn't playing as well or earlier in your career when you're not playing as well, you didn't have that confidence because you would have been taught you'd be taken off, you know, and um so yeah, that that was probably kind of a defining factor in that, that I, you know, I was confident I would break them down at some point, you know, and um, evidently I kind of did, and which was, which was, which was when you were in that space. But um, 
Yeah, like it's it's just funny when you you don't be thinking like that either. Like you're just thinking about game to game, week to week. It's grand now looking back and you're kind of looking over through over a span of years. But when you're in it, all you're really thinking about is the game, the next train session. You live in the moment and you kind of have to. But now with a bit of I suppose you know perspective, you're kind of looking back and you're trying to pick what happened. But it's um, it's hard to really kind of zone in on. So. Everybody has setbacks, whether it's being dropped or injured or whatever. What for you was the biggest one that you had? Sorry, I had um, I had like plenty of setbacks to be to be fair. Like, but um, the when I was thinking about this, I actually thought back to when um, when I was really young, I was twelve, and I I, I had an accent, and um, I don't think I've ever told many people this, but when I was younger. I was I, I was staying at a friend's house and they were uh, were running back to his house and I ran through the patio door was shut and I ran through the glass. Uh, I thought the front door was open and the patio door was shut and the light was on and I couldn't see the handle and I just I, I ran straight through the, the patio door and uh, completely like um, wrecked my leg my my left leg lacerated all like right across the shin bone and. Lucky not to take the leg off, pretty like, and uh, uh, we didn't know. And they lifted me up, and I went to walk. My just my leg just literally was caved in like that. It was, um, and then obviously they seen the blood and all that. So, but when I had to get an operation, they had to kind of reattach all the muscles and all the tendons and whatever they had to do in there. Um, but they did say I'd never play sport again, you know. And uh, I didn't play for eighteen months. Um, built it all back up, and um, and then I. Then I Obviously, you know, went back and eased my way back into it. And then it was it was it, it, it was okay, but had a lot of issues. Still, still do with my left ankle as a result because there's not as much strength down there on that side of the leg to kind of support it. But uh, so that was probably like without even knowing it. And again, back then I wasn't probably thinking about it as much. But when, when you ask these questions and you're thinking about it, that was probably the one moment where you know I could have went either way. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so that was one. And then the second one I think was when. I got on, um I didn't make the um the under twenty ones or the sorry the minor panel when I was a first year minor and I was kind of you know disappointed with that like they went on they got to the the they won Leinster and they got beaten by Leishans in the in the final then and uh, but they had a really good team and I did, but I didn't make it and it was it was one of the things that kind of always I always felt that I was uh, that was it then I'd, I'd I'd missed the boat so there were two kind of setbacks as such that kind of um are really no, nothing moments now when you think of them but back then they kind of are they're kind of big big deals you know yeah like obviously i didn't know about you when you're a kid but it, you know it's interesting when you think of of setbacks i w- was nearly expecting them to be maybe injuries later in your career like you know the i knew you had the back injury when you were um a little bit older so it's, it's quite interesting to hear that it was it was earlier that you were more focused on I guess you probably had a lot of success maybe by the the stage where your your later life injuries came yeah like the back they were like like I was so lucky that in that period of 2010 to 2015 I had no injuries like a couple of soft tissues and that was it and then I just got chronic injury after chronic injury and it was the my groin which osteoporosis um that's that's not that's not what it's called um I didn't think of it now um uh, Gilmore groin operation, um, and um, it's when they're it's when they're it's when they're 
your groin comes comes off your pelvis and nearly every gay player has it um, and um, and I also that, but that's a chronic injury just over time it just bails and bails and the second one down was the back but I, I think you're right like I think I'd come through a period of I was so lucky at, you know um, that they are setbacks but you know they were at a time when I kind of was in my 30s you know it was it was only going one way anyway at that stage so I probably have they were disappointing, but now when I look at it, I'm saying, yeah, but I had a lovely run, you know, and everyone, every player gets around, you know, six. If they're lucky to get six really good years, some get eight, some get, you know, a little bit more. So I got them. I just got them at a little bit different stage. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be kind of a little more relaxed with them. At the time, they're difficult, but it's that's just part of, you know, putting your body through, um, through, through the ringer for, for over a decade that you're going to get these types of injuries, you know. Yeah, I suppose you kind of nearly forget about that. It is quite a long time, like especially, you know, if you're 30, like it's a third of your life really that you've been pushing yourself to the limit. So I know your mom and and your dad had massive impacts on your career, um, but just in terms of maybe people outside your family bubble, who had the biggest impact in your career? Yeah, um, a couple of others. Um, Pat Gilroy, massive impact on my career um, on many levels. He was just... Um, he, he was another guy who's seen the raw talent, but he really worked with us. And like he, he, he built my mental uh, capacity to, to be able to perform at that level. He really invested in me and, you know, I'm indebted to him for that. Um, Mickey Wheel and Niall Moyne, these guys were just, they just, they got me at the time when I needed to be got. <laughs> that made sense. And they just kind of, they grabbed a hold of me and um, they really, really helped me. So um, there's been plenty of great coaches through the years, but, I think Pat Gilroy is the, is the one man who, um, and he also had a profound impact on my life off the pitch. Where like I he was a person that I looked up to and still do, and about um, with the success that he's had, being able to to have and um, a lot of our team, we would be driven in our careers like everybody, like very driven in our careers off the pitch, um, and it's a lot of that's born out of Pat, you know, kind of showing us that there was, um, you could have a life off the pitch as well as on and be really successful. And um, yeah, so that's that's probably um, why I'd kind of say Pat. I know how you can improve your kicking and build on that, but how do you build up your mental capacity to be the competitor that you are? Um, I, I would not say, I would not say I'm like my mental capacity would be as strong as like, you know, a, a lot of other people know, nowhere near it. And it's, um, it's kind of, we, 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 interestingly, like, you know, Jim Gavin was very good at kind of outlining that, like, with regards to skills, you can, uh, you can probably, you can definitely get yourself better, but like I did, right, I worked on it, but then you kind of reach a point where it's hard to kind of improve, right, and, and, and a lot more. You can get yourself to certain fitness. And then there's a lot of diminishing marginal returns about the amount of train, you know, over being, you know, too tired and all that. Um, then it's also tactically, you know, you can spend time on trying to tactically figure out the game. And then again, there's a limit to that. But with the mind, there was just nobody really knew and nobody still knows, you know, how much you can layer on, the capacity, um, what you can be doing. Um, so that muscle was and still is untrained by a lot of athletes, you know, and um, so I really got an appreciation for that. And, you know, people like Kev Mack, who I mentioned before, like Caroline Courage, you know, Gary Keegan, and the McNulty was great for me too. Like the, all these people kind of, you just layer and learn um, little little bits around us. Um, but um, but I certainly wouldn't be putting myself in the bracket of being one of the more mentally strong guys. You know, there's, there's 
Um, but I but I always worked on it. I always tried to, and it was all with the goal of trying to get yourself into flow state, you know. And like you know, that's that's why I did it, you know. And you know, yeah, you're dealing with setbacks, and you know, you're 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 trying to build, as I say, that muscle. But it's 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 so that when you cross that white line, that you forget everything and you just live in the moment and play every play, you know, as as it presents itself to you, and not get caught up in what happened just previously or caught up with the scoreboard or caught up with anything else you're just playing in the presence and uh, in that flow so um, but guys who I'd be like I like Kev Mack is a rock like his his he has the mental capacity uh, you know uh, uh, that well surpasses mine and um, you know there's others too like Bernard Brogan like without even really working on it his resilience was was phenomenal not something that people a lot of people will kind of um, what would think when they look at him, but he, he, he really he was able to deal with so much stuff. Um, and then outside that, Michael Murphy, you know, he was to me like you know that leadership capacity he had and his, his ability just to you know shoulder so much. You know, I learned a lot from him too. So you're always trying to layer, layer on there with, with that piece. And um, so yeah, that's I suppose. So where would you where would you rate that? So when you think of all the attributes that you have and everything that you that it allowed you, enabled you to go on and, and do what you did on the football field. Where does mental capacity come, we'll say, in importance for what for what you were able to to your output really? Yeah, I think it I think it's I think it's very important. I say I'm not I'm not saying that I'm, like mine was by any means the you know in the bottom quartile, but I just say I wouldn't say I was one of the best. But I think you have to because you're dealing with a lot, like it's to play at, at Inter-County, like, you're you're an amateur athlete, right? So you're dealing with a lot. You have to be able to compartmentalise, like, life on and off the pitch and be able to, you know, deal with that. Um, you have to be able to deal with not getting picked. You know, you could potentially get deselected. You can't go and play with another team. You know, it's just one, there's only one team. So um, you can go back to your club and then there's issues with that. So there's... Um, it, it is... It does take a lot, you know, and... Um, but that's not different than any other sport. Like all sports have to do it. And that's what kind of cuts. And when I look at those four pillars that I just mentioned, you have to be good in all four to be able to play at the top level, you know? And um, um, so I, I, it's a hard question to answer. I apologize for waffling, but it's like, you have to kind of, you, you have to have, you have to have good mental capacity, yes. But you also have to be able to kick the ball. If you have to run, you have to be strong. You have to be able to be tactically aware too. So, you have to just bundle it all together, you know, and that's the that's the thing about team sports and and field sports that you have to, you can't just be good at one of those. You have to be good at all. So when you look at your career and the footballer that you wanted to be and everything that you worked at, is there a performance that you can think of a game, a moment in a game where you went, this is this is what I'm about. This is the footballer that I have always wanted to be. A performance that kind of defines you. Yeah, I was thinking about this from my sense and then maybe from other people's, um, just from what they might say to me. Um, from The one for me was Tyrone 2011. And um, like was, we, we, we never won the All-Ireland. Uh, we, we looked at that Tyrone team as being, you know, the team between that team and the Kerry in that era. Uh, we would have modelled a lot of the stuff that we were doing off that, that team. Um, and I was marking Philip Jordan, who was, you know, uh, you know, three time all star, three time all Ireland winner, arguably like the best, you know, half back of that generation. And uh, and uh, and Darren O'Connolly that day scored seven points. He was just off the charts. But I had a really solid game that day too. And um, 
it was the moment probably when I felt, you, you, I, I, you know, that if we go back to some of the things earlier on, I really felt after that game that I, you know, I stepped up. I stepped up to the mark and uh, and I then started to believe. And then I got an all-star that year too, which would have led on to that. So that for me was a game that really kind of, you know, def- helped me figure out that I can be at the top, top of, of this game. Um, and I don't keep many jerseys, right? I've, I've, I've always given them away, but I still have Philip Jordan's jersey in my, in my wardrobe as kind of just one of those ones that, you know, it was a very important game to me. Uh, but the one other people would see, which I like to forget, would be in the Donegal game in 2014, where uh, myself and Dermot again had, had good games. We both uh, kicked a lot of points in the first half and it's probably the best half of football I ever played. But then we lost and it was the most, it was, so for many reasons, I want to forget that game. Um, but everyone always brings it up whenever we're talking, you know, that, that Donegal game. So, um, so they're two games, I suppose. And what about success? Like, obviously, you have the medals to the awards and all the rest to, to illustrate what a, a great player you are and how successful your team were and you within that team. But just when you look at everything, what for you was your greatest success? Um, it is, it is that it's a hard question. Like I, I was going to answer, like, but I'll answer what I was going to answer the way I thought. When I, when I seen the question, the way I was, was the 2011 that period, you know, was the greatest success because we'd never won it. So it was kind of like we trailblazed a little bit and we started off a journey. Um, so. You know, to go on that journey in 2011, and for me personally, from 2011 to 2014, where I played that bit of football, that was the best period of, of my career. Um, so that had to be the best. That, that's the most successful period, let's say, in my career. And um, it was defining for me and um, and defining for Dublin overall as a, as a team, you know, because of the fact that we... We set the foundation then for what was what was it to come, you know. So, um, so that that was 2011 win just started all that off for me. So, um, I think that was the greatest success and uh, it culminated all everything else that went before it, you know, for me. So, when you're old and grey and you're thinking back on 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 everything, what what do you think your legacy is going to be? It's a really hard question. And I, I like even when you say it, I was like, God, that is. You know, but like I'd like to think that it is that um, I played a role in in, in um, aside from like the legacy stuff that the, us as a team we've done, and you know, I just try to look at it just from from my perspective. You know, our team is obviously a legacy team now, and which is which is just something that I even pinch myself still now thinking about that. Like when I think of the Kerry legacy teams, the Tyrone teams, all of that. Like to to be in that bracket is just. Um, it's just it's hard to kind of still believe but for me I think I remember when we, I always wanted to um, to carve out kind of a position that I, I always found myself playing in different positions when I was younger and the legacy for me is the probably the stamp of left on half forward I think and that I kind of created I, I made it my own to a certain degree and I learned on like learnings from watching Paul Galvin watching Brian Dewar um, these guys, you know, were different players to me. They were like they were excellent on the breaking ball, and they were, you know, playmakers. But I kind of changed it a little bit, where you know, I just brought a physicality to it. I brought repeated sprintability, um, winning the kickouts. So I do often, again, you judge it by what people say to you. But I do feel that a lot of people would see that you know the role I played in, in changing the half forward 
that half forward position for that period. I, I think it's changing again now, but with Mark Sully in that, but that to me would be kind of um, the, the legacy piece, you know. Okay, so I know that you are still a club footballer and you will be departing your role with the GPA um, shortly. What's next for you? What's next is, um, yeah, you're spot on. Um, I'm going to continue to play with, with, with the club. From uh, And, you know, I think if you categorise in three things, really, like one is family, you know, for me now, it's, it's critically important. I think as an athlete, you have to be selfish um, to, to realise your goals. And now I've kind of, I suppose I need to be more selfless and, you know, uh, be more of a family man. And um, and I'm looking forward to that. You know, that's, that's, that's great fun. Um, the second thing is my professional career and that's you know really important to me and all that competitiveness and determination that I had in sport is now being solely focused on that and the third thing is fitness goals like I you know there's not a week that goes by that I don't train five or six times and that's kind of just I just have to fit it in and uh, yeah if I, if, I, if, I, if I take those three things and get, a t- get time to spend with friends and family and um you know that's 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 it for me now. So um, that's it for me as well. And like <laughs> life is over. But they're all that, that's what's exciting me now. You know, and yeah. I think the pandemic kind of helped crystallize that for a lot of people to figure out what is important. And you know, they are the things that are important now. And um, I'm just I'm looking forward to post pandemic world where we can kind of do it a little bit differently. Yeah, I think it does feel like a new chapter for everybody when it all does end and we, we start to make sense of what the world is going to look like post-pandemic and how we're all going to fit in, even just from professional, sporting, family, everything it seems to have changed a little bit. And um, I guess I'm a bit like you, I'm kind of looking forward to see what's coming next. Paul, thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. You've had an absolutely remarkable career. And to be honest, from listening to you, I don't think you actually appreciate just what you did and how good you were. It'll probably take a little bit of, of time maybe to when you're a little bit older and you're sitting back and re-watching the games and all the rest. Um, so I hope everybody enjoyed listening and watching. Please like, subscribe and leave a review.